Good morning. Glad that you're here today. Very thankful for your presence today. If you're visiting, we are glad that you have come our way. We want to encourage you to come back. Very grateful for all the visitors that we have here at Olive Branch every week. We want you to know that we do not take you for granted, but we appreciate you coming our way. As always, if you're looking for a church home, please consider the work here. We would love to have you as a part of our church family. We've had a number of folks that have identified with us here recently, and we would like to have you with us as well. We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 in our study today. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Everyone likes a winner. We all want to be champions. I don't know of anyone that likes to lose. We all want to, we all want to stand on the, on the side of victory. And what John is telling us is this. Faith enables us to be victorious. If we are going to be victorious in the world in which we live, then we have to live by faith. And so today I want us to think for a minute or two about this great theme. I want all of us to live in such a way so that we can enjoy the victory as John said, that overcomes the world. And according to John, it's by faith. And so we're going to be thinking about that for a moment, moment or two in our study today. As I said a moment ago, we are thankful that you're here today. We invite you to study along. We're very grateful for the opportunity to worship God, to study His Word. And today we think about living a victorious life by faith. I want to begin today by talking about the value of faith in the Lord. When you think about the value of faith in the Lord, that suggests that faith is very important. How important is faith in your life? Now, we talk a lot about faith. Do we understand the importance of faith? The Hebrew writer said many years ago, without faith, it is impossible to be well-pleasing to God. To understand that in order to enjoy a good life, it needs to be a life that is ordered by faith. What's the basis for faith? You know, Paul said many years ago, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith is the result of what God has revealed in His Word. Now I would grant that there are a lot of blessings associated with a life of faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the writer said that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The Bible talks a lot about the many, many blessings that we enjoy by living a life of faith. You remember in Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 3, Paul said that all spiritual blessings reside in Christ in the heavenly places. All who are in Christ are blessed abundantly, and there are an abundance of blessings that reside in Jesus Christ. I can't help but think about the words of Jesus in John chapter 10, when He said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. 
If you're in Christ and you're living by faith, then you enjoy an abundant life. A life that no one can give you outside of Christ. So we talk about the importance of faith. But what about the investigation of faith? Don't you think that it would behoove us to examine the teaching about the Lord? And I would add to that not only to examine the teaching, but to embrace that teaching. Listen again to what John writes in chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. Ten times in the book of 1 John, Jesus is identified as the Christ. When we talk about Jesus the Christ, the word Christ means anointed one. It is a designation of who Jesus is. He is God's anointed one. God anointed Him as His divine Son, didn't He? He is the Messiah, the one who came to deliver the human family from sin. John goes goes to great lengths to really drive home the point that Jesus is exactly who He claimed to be. Go back and look at 1 John chapter 1 for a moment with me. And listen to what John says by way of introduction. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and our hands have handled. He said, which we have looked upon concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And then in verse 3, John would write, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John is saying, the latter part of the first century, about Jesus, the one identified as the Christ, the Messiah. He said, look, we have seen Him, we have heard Him, our eyes have looked upon Him, our hands have handled Him or touched Him. He said, this is the very One who was in the beginning with Almighty God. He is the Christ, the Son of God. Now, we talk about examining the teaching about Jesus and then embracing that teaching. It is incumbent on every person to sit down and to examine Jesus. Have you put Him under a microscope? Have you tried to come to a conclusion with regard to His identity? Now, there are a lot of folks, if you were to take a random poll today and ask people, who do you think Jesus, who do you think Jesus is? There are a lot of people that would say, you know what, He was a good man. There are some that would say he was a man of great compassion. Others would tell you that he was worried about social change. That he was there for those who were downtrodden. Concerned about the plight of the poor. The outcast. The burdened. But really when we ask the question, what do you think about Jesus? It goes much deeper than that, doesn't it? I think about at the baptism of Jesus, 
in the River Jordan. John, of course, was the one who had the opportunity to baptize Jesus. And Matthew tells us that a voice came forth from heaven. And God the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. You remember John, in commenting on the baptism of Jesus, said, Look, I have seen and I am testifying that this is the Son of God. As a matter of fact, he equated him to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What about Peter? You know, sometimes we talk about Peter, and Peter was a man that often spoke before he thought. Peter had a lot of very admirable qualities in life. In John chapter 6, we find many of the disciples of Jesus leaving him. He had identified himself as the bread of life. So when a mass of people walked away from him, Jesus asked this question, will you also go away? And do you remember what Peter said? Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of life eternal. And then here's what he said. We have come to believe and to know. K-N-O-W. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, when Jesus asked His disciples, what are people saying about me? There were a lot of people that were questioning the identity of Jesus. And Matthew said some were saying, based on what the disciples said in the long ago, some were saying that He was John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But Jesus wanted to know this. He wanted to know what they thought about Him. And Peter spoke up and said, Look, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We have to come to the conclusion, we've got to come to a conclusion about the identity of Jesus. Now John identifies Him as the Christ. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Do you remember Thomas in the long ago? Thomas often spoken of as Doubting Thomas. And Thomas, of course, wanted empirical evidence. He wanted to be able to see the risen Lord with his own eyes, to touch the print of the nails in his hands. He wanted to be able to touch the side of Jesus that had been, that had been pierced with a sword. And based on his evidence, he said, My Lord and my God. We've got to come to that same conclusion if we're going to live by faith, don't we? Now we talk about the value of faith. There is a second thought I want you to consider today. And that is the validation of faith in the Lord. Faith prompts us to embrace the Lord's teaching. Now we talk about examining the evidence about Jesus. Examining that evidence, embracing that evidence. But let's take it a step higher. To take what Jesus taught and embrace that. It begins with what He had to say about the new birth. Now listen to what John said, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Isn't it interesting that in the ministry of Jesus, in that three, three and a half ministry of Jesus, the Lord talked about 
the new birth. And why was that? Because what he's saying is the prerequisite to enjoying blessings in him begin with the new birth. John chapter 3. Nicodemus, that ruler of the Jewish people, came to Jesus by night. He said, Teacher, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God, for no one can do the great miracles that you're doing unless God's with him. And Jesus then said, Look, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thought Jesus was talking about a physical birth. He asked the question, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? I can just imagine Jesus saying, You missed the point, Nicodemus. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus would say, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And then here's what he said Marvel not that I say to you, listen to him, you must be born again. Why would Jesus emphasize the new birth? Because the new birth marks the start of new blessings. Every blessing that we enjoy, spiritually speaking, is found in one place. That's in Christ. Do you remember what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2? I endure all things for the elect's sake. Why? So that we might enjoy eternal salvation, which is where? In Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So to be in Christ is to enjoy many, many blessings. One of which is a new beginning in life. You see, Jesus came for the purpose of affording people a second chance, a new opportunity, a better opportunity. Listen again to what John said. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. The new birth, as I said a moment ago, leads us to new blessings, a new beginning. And let me tell you, there are a lot of people in our world today, they're looking for a fresh start. They're looking for a new beginning. And we talk about living a victorious life. And there are a lot of people out here that would say, you know what, I've made my share of mistakes. I've done things that I'm not proud of. I've been places that I know I shouldn't have been. My life has been marred and scarred by sin. I understand something about the stain of sin. I understand something about the shame of sin because in many ways that has been a picture of my life. But Jesus is saying, let me tell you, I can give you a new start, a fresh start, a blessed start. Now, Faith prompts us to embrace the Lord's teaching. It also prompts us to exhibit the Lord's teaching. Listen now to what John says. Everyone who loves Him, that is, who loves God, loves Him also who is begotten of Him. John here is saying that, look, once we become a child of God, once we take what we have examined about the Lord, embrace that teaching, what we want to do now is exhibit it day in and day out. We want to live as a disciple of Christ, don't we? And John talks about how we can do that in a couple of ways. Turn back, if you would, and look at chapter 3. In chapter 3, John talks about 
How as a transformed disciple, somebody who has been transformed by the power of Christ, that is, by the Word of Christ, number one, we manifest a spirit of benevolence. Number two, we manifest a spirit of brotherly love. In verse 16, John said, By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now look at verse 17. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, he asks this question, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So what about in the realm of benevolence? What Jesus is saying, or rather what John is saying here, is the same thing that Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 25. And that is, if I see somebody hungry, what do I do? I feed them. If I see somebody who is thirsty, I give them something to drink. If I know somebody doesn't have adequate clothing, then I clothe them. If somebody is a stranger, I take them in. If they're sick and they're in prison, then I visit them. I'm trying to the best of my ability to have a benevolent spirit. Paul would say, in Galatians, chapter 6, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those who are the household of faith. So number one, we demonstrate a spirit of benevolence. But number two, we demonstrate brotherly love, a spirit of brotherly love. Look at chapter 4, verse 7. Here's what John said, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Look at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 21. This commandment we have from Him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Why do we do these things? Because we love God. We understand these are commands of God. Note if you would verse 3, chapter 5. In verse 2, John had said, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. All John is saying is, we put our faith into action. We demonstrate our faith. It's not just verbal faith, but it is visual faith in the sense that people can see us living a Christian life, day in, day out. We demonstrate it by our lives. As Jesus would say, by their fruit, you'll know them. All right, look at the third point in 1 John 5, verses 1 through 5. And that is the victory of faith that we enjoy in the Lord. I want to begin by saying that faith enables us to clearly see the world. When you live a life of faith, then you understand what the world's all about, don't you? I mean, you can see the world for what it is. Two points here. Before I share those two points, I want you to look at 1 John 5, verse 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Faith enables us, as I said a moment ago, to clearly see the world. The world 
that John is talking about here is a system. That system is opposed to everything God stands for. So we have to understand something about the world and its order. Number one, the world, when it's all said and done, is polluted. Now you may ask the question, how do you know the world is polluted? Well, number one, because the devil is identified as the God of this world in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. And listen to John in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. That's the devil, isn't it? What John is saying is, the world is under the influence of the devil. And the devil is polluted. Everything that he touches is polluted. And so the world in which we live is polluted. You remember in 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about those who have escaped the corruptions or the pollutions that are in the world through lust, or rather through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Think about it. The world is tainted. It is contaminated. It is under the sway of the devil. The world is marred in sin and unrighteousness. Jesus would say on one occasion that He, being light, has come into the world. And He said, men love darkness rather than light. The world is evil to the core, isn't it? That's what John's saying. The world is under the sway of the wicked one. The world is not only polluted, but the world, as John said, is passing away. Now I said a minute ago that faith enables us to see clearly the world. If you want to know what the world is all about, then just read the Word of God. If you want to know what the devil is all about, then read what the Bible has to say. John said in John chapter 8, verse 44, quoting Jesus, he said of the devil that he is a murderer. He is the father of lies. And the world in which we live is passing away. The devil wants you to hook your wagon to this world. He wants you to invest in the things that this world has to offer. John said all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, he said they're not of the Father, but are of the world. Listen to him. And the world is passing away. And here's what he is saying to all of us today. You hook your wagon to the world, and you put all your eggs in that basket, you are putting your eggs in a basket that will not last. 100 years from now, how much value will your bank account be? The business you operate, the corporation you work for, who will run that corporation? Who will operate that business? Won't be you. The land that you've acquired, you might, you might be a landowner, possess hundreds and hundreds of acres of land. won't be your land. The Bible says the world is passing away. When it's all said and done, the Lord's coming. When He comes, He's going to destroy this world. And what John is saying is, if you, put your, if you invest in the things of this world to the exclusion of spiritual things, you made a bad investment. You're going to be upside down, as we say. So the world is passing away. 
we can see that because we understand something about the world. Now there's a second thought I want you to see. Faith enables us to conquer the world. I said a minute ago, we all like to be victorious, don't we? We all want to be a champion. I don't know of anybody that wants to be in second place. I don't know anybody that doesn't want to win. I don't know anybody that wants to be labeled as a loser. We all want to win. We all want to be a, vic a, a victor. So here's what John writes. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Individuals who believe that Jesus is the divine Son of God, who live in compliance with His teaching, they are the ones that ultimately enjoy the victory. Now, let me tell you why those of us who are people of faith will stand victorious over the world. Number one, we know what to expect, don't we? Now, I said a minute ago, the devil is identified as the God of this age. And John said, the world lies under the sway of the wicked one. I don't, have to I don't have to have somebody tell me, okay, this is what the world's all about. I don't have to have somebody try to explain to me what to expect in the world. Why? Because I know what to expect. Listen to Jesus in John 16, verse 33. Jesus said, these things I've said to you, spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. Does Jesus want us to enjoy peace in life? You better believe it. Does He want us to enjoy serenity and peace and contentment and satisfaction in life? Well, the answer is yes. Of course He does. So He said, in the world you have tribulation. In the world you have tribulation. So as a child of God, do I know what to expect? Yes, I do. Can I expect trouble and trial and difficulty and hardship and adversity in life? Can I, can I expect to lose loved ones? Can I expect to face crisis in life? Yes. Why? Because as a child of God, I know what to expect. Jesus said it. He said, in the world you have tribulation. There are many of you here today, you know exactly what Jesus is talking about, don't you? You know something about tribulation. You face tough times. You've had economic crunches in life. You faced debilitating health issues. You've lost loved ones. You've buried friends. You know what life is all You understand what Job said many years ago. Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Look, I don't have to have somebody size the world up for me because I know what the world's all about. The reason why some people don't have a victorious faith is because they don't know what the Bible says about the world. They don't know what Jesus said. And Jesus said, in the world, that's where we are today. We are in the world. And Jesus said, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. Now what's John saying? John is saying, this is the victory that overcomes the world, okay? What's the victory that overcomes the world? Our faith. Got it? Our faith. You want to be a victor? 
You want to be a champ? Have strong faith. Now, we know, number one, what to expect. But number two, we know who to expect, don't we? Go back with me and look at chapter 2, verse 27. Rather, verse 28. And listen to what John said. And now, little children, abide in Him. Why, John? That when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Now think about that. John is writing at the latter part of the first century. And John is saying, look, here's the key to victorious living. The key is abide in Him. That is, abide in His Word. When you abide in His Word, when you understand what the Word teaches, number one, you can know what to expect. Number two, you can know who to expect. Let me tell you what, whether people believe it or not, the Lord Jesus is coming again. How do I know that? By faith. Because the Bible says Jesus will come as a thief in the night. And what John is saying is when we abide in Him, when we abide in His Word, we can have confidence before Him at His appearing. If the Lord Jesus were to come today, as a child of God, we could be confident because we know we are victors. We're champions. The reason is because of our faith. So I close today by asking you this question. Are you living a victorious life by faith? There will be champions, and sadly there will be losers on the final day. The champions, they will be those who hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to close today by telling you this. God wants you to be saved. God is interested in every single soul. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God is so interested in the souls of the human family that He made a tremendous investment. The Lord Jesus invested in your soul. How did He do that? He went to the cross, didn't He? He died on that cross. He thought enough of you to die for you. God thought enough of you to send His only begotten Son into the world that through Him you might live. Listen to what Paul said. God spared not His own Son, but freely gave Him up for us all. God did that because of His love for us. And you know what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8? God is love. And because He loved us, He sent His only begotten Son into the world that through Him we might live. If you're here today and you're not living a life of faith, and you want to be, you want to be on the side of the champions, on the side of those who are victorious, I can tell you how to do it. Believe Jesus is the Christ. Believe He is the Son of God, as John said. And then take that belief and turn away from the ways of this world. It's called repentance. Jesus said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. And then if you will 
confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. What do you believe in your heart? Jesus is the Son of God. Be immersed in water. It's called the new birth. Enjoy the benefits of a new beginning and new blessings. And then be faithful until death. And you'll have a victorious faith, a victorious life. If you're here today and you're not faithful, then our plea to you would be to come home because God wants you to be with Him one day in heaven. You know, the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So today, if you need to come to God, won't you do so as we stand and sing?